We're so glad to be here. You know, we are in a great season of pioneering. The Bible says, can you sense it? Can you perceive it? That God's doing something new, you know? And in order to walk into the new, you got to let go of the old, right? The Bible says you got to let go of the past and step into the new. You know, the past is a stumbling block in two ways. You know, the past, some people are stuck in the past because of regrets, but also some people are stuck in the past because of some success. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some people talk about the past like, you know, I used to be an amazing man of God. It's like, wait, what happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember when God was working in my life. Wait, wait, he's still God. So don't get stuck in the past. He's the God of the now. He's doing something new right now. Can you say amen? You know, and, 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 and if it's regrets, listen, we all have them. The good news is God is here to forgive, to restore, and to empower you for today. Can you say amen? So it's a new season. Now, the last few weeks we've been talking about how to pioneer new things and and today I want to take one more step towards this it's a, it's a bigger picture today I want to talk to you about claiming new territory God called us to new territory can you say amen, amen. but this is gonna this is a challenge this morning here's why it's a challenge this morning because this is a collective word this is not a this is not an individual word this is a collective word which means, like, if, if this is your house, right, if, if, if this is where God has called you to, if you call this place your home, your home church, this is for you. Yeah. Amen. Like, tell your neighbor right now, this is for you. This is not for somebody else. This is for you and vice versa. You know, uh, this is for all of you that calls this place your home. Is this your home? Is this your home? Yeah. Is this? Yeah. just want to make sure I'm talking to the right people here, you know. This is not, like, for them. This is for us. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes you're in church, you're like, I wish someone was here. God's like, no, it's you. I'm talking to you. Like, I'm talk- you don't have to elbow your neighbor, because I'm talking to your neighbor, and I'm talking to you. And I'm talking to your neighbor behind you. I'm talking to your neighbor in front of you. You don't have to look around. Like, you can just say, just say God, I'm open. I'm, re- I'm ready to receive. Can you say amen? And so today, I want to talk to you about the fact that God wants us to have new territory. You know, we talked about Abraham last week. God said, I am going to call you into a place Right, And he didn't tell him where, but that was the beginning of the journey of claiming new territory. So Abraham passes that on to his son Isaac, right, the son of the promise. Isaac then passes that on to his son Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God. God changes his name and called him Israel, the one who wrestles. Right, Israel is Jacob. He has 12 sons, and those are the 12 tribes of Israel. And so what God promised Abraham way back was beginning to take shape. Right? Because he said, out of you, out of one nation, I'm going to bless the entire world. And how does he do that? Because out of this one little nation comes a man named Jesus, or Yeshua, or Joshua, who becomes the savior of the world. So we started with Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to, to, to the entire tribes of Israel, and then to Jesus Christ, and to the entire world. You are here today because Abraham pioneered something. <laughs> Like, how amazing is that? That we're not here on a, on, a, on a vacuum. We're here because someone somewhere said yes to God. And here we are continuing that legacy. Can you say amen? That's why I believe God has something new for all of us to accomplish together. But in that journey, right, they, they had to learn how to claim the territories that God had for them. So what I want to pick up today is, is from the fact that as Israel became a nation, they went into Egypt because of a famine. And in Egypt, they became slaves. And they were there for 400 years. God says, I heard the cry of my people. I'm going to send Moses to come and liberate my people. But we're going to go to the promised land together. But the problem is the Bible says that as they were in the desert going 
They wasted God. They, was, they seen miracles. We're talking about, I believe, in miracles. They saw a Red Sea part. Okay? They saw a pillar of fire. They saw clouds. They saw Jesus in their midst doing amazing things. But the Bible says they were stuck in the desert because of unbelief. It's incredible how unbelief can get you stuck. Unbelief is simply not believing God for what he's capable of doing. See, that's why Jesus, when he went up to people, he would say, do you believe I can do this? In other words, do you have the faith to believe what I'm about to do? Yeah. Right? Isn't it incredible that your worst enemy is not the devil, but it's your, it's your own unbelief? Yeah. Come on now, are you with me so far? You know? And so they're in this desert, and it's supposed to take 11 days for them to, be, to get to, to where they were, to the promised land. The Bible says it ended up taking them 40 years. How many know that stubbornness will keep you in the desert for a long time? Right? How many know that like, doing you will keep you stuck? If you're not doing God. Yeah. Amen. And so, and so here they are. And now they can see the promised land. They can see the place. And Moses said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take one person from each tribe, the 12 tribes. 12 people are going to go into the promised land to scout the land and bring back a report of how we're going to come and, and take this land, new territory that God has for us. So I'm picking up right there. But you got to go home and do some homework because I don't have time to read all of it. It's in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. But I'm going to just read the report they brought back. Okay. In Numbers 14, I'm going to pick up from verse 27. It says this. This was their report to Moses. The 12 came back and said, We enter the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live there. In the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the Ites, they live there. You know, the Canaanites live among the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. Verse 30 is my favorite. But Caleb. Anytime you see the word but, there's a transition. Okay, that's your report, but Caleb, one of those that weren't with them. There was two of them that had a good report. Caleb and Joshua, if you keep reading. But he says, but Caleb. I love that. But God in Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Caleb is like, shh, enough with that report. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Come on, that's faith. Right? That's faith. I know what you're saying. I'm going to let you finish. But yeah, God says, let's go and take the land. Come on, come on. Okay? I know you got your cute report and all. You got spreadsheets. You got everything else. But I got faith. Okay? You got reason, but I have faith. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching already. But the other man who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report, haters, about the land. Among the Israelites, the land we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes to live there. You can't live in New Bedford. You can't have a church in New Bedford. You can't, you can't have a, a mighty move of God in New Bedford. It's impossible. You can't, you can't do it. We even saw giants there. The descendants of an act next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And they were huge. <laughs> Huge. 
<laughs> 12 people. 10 come back with a bad report. Two says, no, we got this. That's good. 12 people. Same lane. Different reports. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Right? Let me ask you this question. How many of you guys would say over the years you've had good friends? You've had good friends in your life. How many of you guys? Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I thought it was like, mo- like everybody just had at least one good friend. I mean, you had at least one good imaginary friend. Like, it's always faithful. Okay. <laughs> you know, Bobby was always faithful to me. Where's Bobby? No one ever saw Bobby. You know, <laughs> anyways. Um, <laughs> I mean, it would say, you know, you only you had good friends, but also you had crazy friends. I mean, you had crazy friends. You know the kind of friends that your mom's like, I want you to stay away from them. Like, how I many of you guys had that kind of friend? How I many of you guys were that friend? That <laughs> okay, I'm talking to the right people here. I want to make sure I'm talking to the right people here. Okay, now how many of you guys had a crazy friend, but also daring? Like, you know, friends are always daring you to do crazy things. Like, how many of you guys had yeah. those kinds of friends? You know, I was thinking about this. That over the years, I've had crazy friends, and I've been that crazy friend myself. And I remember uh, when we were in college, me and a buddy of mine, we decided to go to Florida to visit really one of our crazy friends. He was crazy. You know? So we're like, we're going to go see him, going to hang out with him for a little bit. And so he, just, he lived an hour from Orlando. So he's like, hey, you guys are with me. I'm taking you out every day. We're going to do different things. You know? And so we, we, we went to SeaWorld, for example, watch Shamu. You know, it was fun when Shamu was okay. You know? like, we don't know what's happening now. Animal rights, Shamu, free him, all that, you know, free the whale, kill the whale, I don't know. Um, I, just know I just know that we went, we had a good time, but he's like, no, I don't want to just do that, I want to do everything, and he's like, we're going on a roller coaster, and if you know me, I'm Kay Verdian, I grew up in an island, I like to play soccer and go to the beach, okay, I don't want my feet on the ground, and, uh, it, but he's that kind of friend that finds a way to, like, rope you in, yeah. and so he's like, we're going to this thing called the Kraken. The cracking, that sounds crazy. You know, I get there, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, but he's like, you already got me. You know, I'm like, I can't, some, some reason I can't say no to this guy. Like, he finds a way to rope me into these things. But he's like, we're not only going to go to the cracking, we're going to be in the front of the cracking. He's like, I want to be in the front, like front row in the cracking. You know, like when you're sitting and your feet's dangling, right? And you, and you start to lose life, you know, <laughs> strapped in. You know, the worst thing about roller coasters is that beginning. That slow, like, climb to death. <laughs> All you hear is click, 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 click. Orlando starts to look sideways, you know. It's like you don't want to look down because you're mad up in here. Click, click, click. And then they really get you and they pause you. It's like, kill me now. <laughs> right? They just, like, pause you right at the top. Right? So you can, like, die on the inside. And then they resurrect you by... Whew, Bringing you down. Like, I remember going down like a girl. Like, ah! You know, I'm looking down at the floor of my death, you know. I'm speaking in tongues, you know. I'm calling on Jesus. And next thing you know, we're going up the other way. Twice the other way. You know, I'm losing my mind. And I look over, he's like this. Little guy, but he had a lot in him. There was three of us. And you know what they do right in the middle of it? They take a picture of you. Right? We went to go look at the picture, and, uh, and he was grinning, you know, I'm like freaking out. And then a friend, he was talking so much junk on this thing. He's like, yo, you, you're so afraid, blah, blah, blah. But we look at the picture, he looked like this. <laughs> Are you talking all that junk? We got, we got proof now that, that you're just talking a good game. You're scared. <laughs> right? And then he goes, oh, now we're going to go to a, what a, what a, what a 
park. I'm like, oh, I like water parks. I don't mind. I like the water. I'm Cape Verde. I like the water. But he's like, no, no, we're, we're going to like do some crazy rides at the water. And it, he wasn't kidding when he said it was crazy rides because we went to one ride that had no lines. That's when he knew it was crazy. <laughs> like, like no one was interested. But him, he's like, we're going up. It took us like five minutes to get up this thing. By the time we got up this thing, I can see the whole Orlando and Russia. Like, as you can see, I saw Sarah Palin and everything. Like, it was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Right? Not only are we up on this thing, now they're like, you got to get into this contraption. Like this little weird rocket thing standing up, right? And then they're going to drop the bottom on you, Right? And then the guy that was, you know, pushing the little button was having a little fun with me. And he's like, oh, you got to cross your arm. Cross my arm. He goes, now you got to look behind the yellow line. I'm like, yellow line? I looked down and he opened it. I was like, ah! <laughs> Drop me. Sliding down. Freaking out. You know, get down there. He goes, we're going to do it again. It's like, we're going to do it again. And he had a way to rope me in. Funny thing is, we're walking up. Nobody's in line. And we see our third friend just sitting on one of the stairs. Like, he's like, I'm good. I'm all set, man. <laughs> Like, girl, you talk the good game. But here you are sitting on the sidelines, you know. But, you know, I was thinking about this, that faith is that daring friend. Yeah. Yeah, Faith is that friend that's always challenging you because he knows that there's more in you that needs to come out. But it's only going to come out when he stretches you out to do things you cannot do on your own. Right? And fear is is that friend that doesn't do anything. Are you sure about things? You know, have you looked at the weather? You know, <laughs> Come on. some people don't go anywhere when I look at the weather. Have you looked at the weather? You know, you got those two voices, fear and faith. You know, the two angels, fear and faith. Faith is like, let's go out. It's amazing. It's going to be a storm. Let's go. Fear is like, are you sure about this? The way our life is set up, <laughs> you're not supposed to take it easy, you know. But no, there comes a time in life where you're going to have to decide, am I going to live by faith or am I going to live by fear? Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that you're going to get to a point where there's no fear. Well, what I'm saying is you got to get to a point where your fear doesn't paralyze you from your faith. Right? you got to get to a point where your faith trumps your fear. Right? Like, trumps them in a huge way. Okay? (laughs) You get the play words there? Okay. All right. Right. Okay. Faith is daring. That's right. Faith is crazy. That's right. Right? Faith will make you do things that you cannot do on your own. When we say we need a miracle, we need God. We don't need something hard. Anyone can do something hard. God can do the miraculous when you you step into faith with him. So 12 people go and see what is meant to be theirs. But 10 saw it through the eyes of fear. Two saw it through the eyes of faith. I got to ask you today, are you a faith person or a fear person? The Bible says we don't live by sight, we live by faith. Right? Jesus says your eyes are the windows to your soul. In other words, what do you perceive? What do you see with your eyes? Determines what's going on inside of you. Actually, in that, in that scripture, he was talking about greed. He's saying if you, if you look at life through, through the eyes of greed, then you're going to hoard everything. But if you look at eyes through the eyes of faith, then you become a generous yeah, person. Right. Because you know that you cannot outgive God. Amen. Come on, are you a person of faith? Amen. Are you a person of fear? Come on, talk to me today. Faith says, we got this. Fear says, I don't know about this. 
Come on, which one are you? You gotta, you gotta get to a point where you're gonna have to cross some things. The good, the good news about faith is this: faith can grow. The Bible says this. Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if I brought a mustard seed up, you couldn't even see it. But when it grows, it's a huge plant. So the good news is we all can grow in faith. We don't have to stay in fear, but we can grow out of fear into faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, I must tell you this, that I got to warn you that this walk of faith is not for the faint of heart. That's right. That's right. There are no guarantees until you step out. They are, this is not for the faint of heart. Like, in other words, if you're, if you're cool with your cute, cool little life and you got it all figured out, this is not for you. I, I'm talking to some people who are daring God for some more things in their lives. I'm daring people who would have the same spirit of Caleb and Joshua on them to say, no, there's more, God. That's right. We got this. We want to claim everything that you have for us. Can you say amen? Yeah. So I got to ask you a few questions today. Do you live by fear or do you live by faith? That's a great Here's a follow-up question. Are you easily persuaded to give up or do you have a fight in you? The promised land is there, but it's going to take a fight. Yeah, yeah come on. Yeah, yeah. The territory is right in front of them. Right? If you keep reading Numbers 13 and 14, Joshua said, listen, God didn't bring us this far to leave us. He's with us. So let's go and get what's ours. In other words, sometimes you need to stand up and start taking what the enemy has stolen from you. You need to fight back and take what's yours. Here's another question I got to ask you today because it has to do with fear of faith. Are you easily offended or are you impossible to talk down? They were easily persuaded because they saw something that shook them to the core, and now they're afraid. And you know how many people I've seen come to church but not see the full promises of God because they were easily offended out of God's will? Oh, man, come on. Come on, that will preach. Come on. I've seen it done where the enemy is so clever at making the small things big things. And the big things, small things. And without the sermon, we just buy into it without asking the question, is this a bait? Come on. To talk me out of my destiny. You know how many people have exchanged their destiny for a bowl of soup? Esau had the promise in his hand, and because he was so hungry, he exchanged his destiny for a bowl of soup. Come on, come on. This is why they tell you never shop when you're hungry. Come on. And I'm talking in the spirit. Come on. Come on. Because now you're like, oh, man, he was, he's ugly. Well, he was always ugly. You were just hungry. Yes. <laughs> you ever hear girls talk about it? Oh, man, I can't believe I, I was dating him. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you were hungry. Come on. Right? Never date when you're hungry. You'll date all the wrong people. Come on. Come on, I'm your pastor. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. You know, $10 looks good when you're hungry, but could have been 1000 if you waited on God. Yeah, come on. Come on now. Come you got to catch this stuff in the spirit where I'm trying to get at. You know? It's good. Are you easily offended? Or are you impossible to talk down? That's great, man. Caleb and Joshua were impossible to talk down. Because yeah. they were like, man, we don't see things by fear. We see them by faith. Amen. 
And I know God is with us. He didn't take us this far to leave us. You know, what's interesting, again, if you go back and read it, because I don't have time to go through all of it, but in Numbers 13, 20, it got, Bible always gives you details to pay attention to. He says, when, when Moses sent them out to scout the land, it was harvest season. In other words, the place was ripe to be taken. Right? I believe this. So that's a prophetic word. We are living in a ripe time for God to harvest something big in our lives if we just are willing to step out and fight for what's ours and take it for what's ours. So we're ready to pioneer some things. Right? Big things. This is what I'm saying. This is not an individual word. This is a corporate word. Did you notice Caleb didn't say, I'll go get them? He says, we got this. We collectively, right? Collectively. Why do you think the Bible calls the church a body? Come on. Because he's saying collectively you got to run together. That's good. The worst thing about a body is when part of your body is acting up against the rest of the body. Yeah. Can you imagine right now if your right arm begins to say, I'm going to go this way. Right? And your left arm's like, where are you going? Right? You will look crazy. Right? We will be worried about you. Right? Think about that in the spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're here, but you're not collectively saying yes to what God has for us, you are part of the dysfunction in the body. And you're not helping the body. You're meant to be united with the rest of the body to say, God, I'm doing my part in this body to see your will being done. The Bible says that unity commands a blessing. Jesus says, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there with them. Can you imagine if two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, he's right there. Can you imagine when eight, nine hundred people gather in Jesus' name and says, we're together in this thing? Let me give you a side note here. The most frustrating thing about leading something is when people are with you in the place, but they're not with you in the vision. That's good. That's the most frustrating thing about leading anything. Because there are people that will come here, but it's all about them. It's not about us. Yeah, come on. And you will hear it in their vocabulary. They'll say things like, oh, they. But it's like, I thought it was we. Yeah, come on. Right? Collectively, if we push together, if we bind together, no weapon formed against us will prosper if we are in this together. This is why Caleb says, we got this. And I believe God is saying to all of us today, we got this. There are new territories for us to conquer in Jesus' name, but it's going to take a collective yes. Are you with the vision of God for his house? How do you know you're with the vision of God? Well, it comes down to how you spend your time, your talent, and your treasure. Come on, talk about it. Right? Because if you're truly with it, right, then your time is with it, your talent is with it, but also your treasure is with it. Like, I don't want to put anybody on blast, but if you're not tithing, you're not with us. Come on. Come on. Let's just be honest. Come on. You're with you. Right? But when you're tithing, you're saying, here's my part of the, of, of, the, of, of, of the bargain so God can do something bigger than all of us. Here's my little lunch. If I give it to God, he'll multiply it so that we can see the fullness of God. Right? If you're not serving, you're not with us. Come on. Right? Because the truth is, us is in the doing. Yeah. yeah. Us is in the doing. Right? And it starts with our hearts, and he, and he goes into our vocabulary, but then he touches our money, and he touches our time, and he touches how we live our lives. Can you say amen? amen? This is a collective word the Bible is bringing us to say, there are some things I want to do with you, but collectively. Yeah, that's good. Amen. The Dunkin' Donuts Center is impossible. 
individually. Facts. You ever walked into that place? It's overwhelming. Yeah. I remember last year when we did the conference there, I walked in, I was like, whoa, this place is huge. <laughs> but what happens when four campuses yeah, come, come together in the name of Jesus under the same banner and the same heart and the same desire and say together, Lord, we're going to take over this Dunkin' Donuts Center and we're going to see the move of God that's bigger than me, it's bigger than you, it's bigger than the next person, it's bigger than all of us. Are you in with the vision of God? You know, in the Bible, there this, this moment, there's, there's parts in the Bible that no one reads called the genealogies. Have you ever read those? If you do, you're amazing. <laughs> you know, this person beget this person, beget this person, beget this person. By the time you're done, you're like, you fall asleep. Why is there in there? Because in God's economy, everybody counts. Yeah. Yeah. In God's economy, he makes sure, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I mention every single name who played a role and a part in what I am doing on this earth. That's awesome. Right? God is like the person, you know, that, that when the movie's over, he makes sure that everybody gets credit on the movie. I pray that your name is on the God's movie of what he's doing in this place. I pray your name is there because you prayed, because you gave, and because you sacrificed, and because you showed up, and you kept showing up, and you had reasons not to show up, but you kept coming, and you kept giving, and you kept blessing, and you kept making a way, and you didn't make excuses. You made moves. Because God wants to do something bigger than you. You know, this Easter is for all of us in our region. You know, you ever heard people say things like, oh, the church is too big? Indirectly, what you're saying is, I'm a selfish person. I don't care if someone else gets saved. Come on. Because no one would say that, right, if you make it personal. If I say the church is too big, but your mom is outside of God's will, would we make room for one more? If he's your mom, if he's your grandfather, or if he's your uncle, or if he's your cousin, or if he's your son, or your daughter. We wouldn't talk like that if we make it personal to say, no, there's always room for one more, and one more, and one more, and one more. Yes, let's go to an arena because we need more room. We need more room. Truth is, we don't have enough room. For God so loved the world. There ain't enough room for that. So anytime you hear people talk like that, I can guarantee you, they may be religious, but they don't love Jesus. Because Jesus wants more and more people to get saved. Right? That's why we're putting this in an arena, in a, in a neutral area to say everybody can come. Everybody can come and, and be able to receive from Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. Can you say amen? The second thing, go ahead. Give me a chance to... What a break. Second thing we want to pioneer, and we believe in God, that this is the year that we get our own church building. I think it's time. I think it's time to be able to say, God, now give us our own headquarters. Give us our own lamppost. Give us our own place to call home where we're not worried about setting up and breaking down, but we're open every day to the public and we can minister to people all week long. It's time. I believe God will give it to us when we all collectively praying for it, but also collectively giving for it. Because it's going to require some doing yeah. to be able to see a building here. Yeah. And not just any building. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just any building. We believe in a big God. We need a big building with a lot of room. We've looked at a lot of buildings, and every time the door closed, a couple of months later, we grew some more. We realized God's like, you're thinking too small. There are places that we looked at. If we went right now, our kids wouldn't fit. God's like, you're thinking way too small. I'm a God of big and better things. Big and better things. But also, listen, I believe this. We're just getting started. I really believe this, that, that in the near future, once we get up building in the near future, we're going to open more campuses in this place, okay? I mean, like, and I don't mean Smithfield. I mean New Bedford is going to launch other campuses right here in this place. I tell you what I see. I see a new life in Taunton. I see a new life in Brockton. I see a new life in Medford. I see a new life expanding. Why? Because there's always room for one more. Is it ever going to be enough? No! No! That's what I'm saying. This word is not for the faint of heart. This is for people who want everything that God has for them. Because all we have is a little window before we're gone. That's right. But here we are reading a legacy of people who did something bigger than themselves. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. Like today, I'm telling you, some of you guys are struggling because you're like, when are you going to talk about me? I'm not going to talk about you today. I'm going to talk about us today. Talking about us. But it's going to require some doing. I'm going to give you three things that it requires to take new territory. Number one is it takes bold faith. Not just faith, but bold faith. Like Caleb type of faith. Joshua type of faith. Right? Faith that says, listen, it looks crazy. It doesn't look possible. But all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible to those who trust a greater being, which is God himself. Like God loves a challenge. He's just looking for some people to take him up on his challenge. They talk about giants. Right? David looked at the Goliath and says, who are you? (laughs) Come on. Everybody else was like, who is a giant? David, little boy, comes out and says, who are you? To defile the armies of the Lord. I don't come against you with sticks and stones. I came to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and you're going down, giant. I tell you, let me name the giant we're going after. We're going after the giant of small mindness. We're going after the giant of small churches. Why is it that everywhere else, go read the reports of churches. Churches are growing by the thousands everywhere else in the world. Come on. It's the same God. When I read that, I say, God, I don't want to just read about you moving. I want to see you move right here in my region, right here in front of us. Same God. We want to break down the giants of small mindedness because God's a big God. I I believe that we we will see a mega church in New England. I believe that we will see multiple campuses with thousands of people in them worshiping Jesus and serving Jesus and glorifying Jesus. There's no better life. Than to live by faith. Yeah. You know, when you see the video, it says 28 years in the making. Why? Because there's been a prophetic word over New England. Yeah. We believe in prophecies. Yeah. We wouldn't be here. Jesus was prophesied. <laughs> we believe in prophecies. Yeah. That a prophet came to New England about 20 something years ago from, from, from California. He says, I, I just felt led to come to Providence and to declare over Providence there's gonna be a move of God. Yeah. He came to a place where there was a lot of pastors. He didn't even know these people. And he said by name, and, and we have the tape, and he said this, and he said, Pastor Steve, you're going to lead the way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
and, and pastors from all over New England were cheering and, and celebrating and saying, man, together we're going to see the move of God in here. Because we don't believe in just for new life. It's for New England. Yeah, it's for on. everybody. It's for everybody. And since then, we've been pushing by faith to see God do more. But it's going to take bold faith. Number two is going to take courage. It's going to take courage. You know, it takes courage to persevere. It takes courage to keep praying when you haven't seen the results yet. That's good. It takes courage to keep declaring what God has said 20 years ago. It takes courage to not diminish what God said. Right? It takes courage to stay focused. Because the enemy will love to sidetrack you. The enemy will love to make your dream smaller. The enemy will love for you to focus on being hurt and disappointed as opposed to focus on the vision. Yeah. Yeah. It takes courage to stay the course. Don't get sidetracked with small things. Yeah. And don't settle. It takes courage not to settle. Yeah. Most people will settle after a while. But the Bible says that, that it may tarry, but you got to persevere yeah. because if he spoke it, he's going to bring it to pass. Yeah. You have to learn to persevere in faith for what God said. It takes courage not to grow bitter. It takes courage to grow better. <laughs> right? We live in a, in a day and age where everybody's driven by their feelings. I, I got my, my feelings were hurt. It hurt my feelings. I feel this. I feel that. We feel too much. Feel way too much. God says, I didn't call you to live by feelings. I called you to live by faith. I called you to, it takes courage to put your faith over your feelings. It takes courage to say, listen, God's doing something way bigger than me here, so I'm not going to let my little tiny mindset, personality, little thing. I, I know I wanted to go this way. It didn't go this way, but my faith is greater than my feelings, so I'm going to put my faith over my feelings because I'm going to see the will of God in my life. You, you, I'm blown away by that. Okay, what are we going to tell God? It hurt my feelings. The same God who put his life on the line. Who gave everything that he had. Hung on the cross. And said over and over again. Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Talking about putting your faith over your feelings. Everything within him should say. I should get out of the cross and take revenge. But because I'm here to sacrifice on behalf of you. Not my will Lord. Your will be done. I'm living by faith. Jesus. Save the world by faith. Not by feelings. By faith. And the Bible says if you're a follower of Jesus, the only thing left to do to respond to his sacrifice is to become one yourself. Amen. The Bible says become a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to the Lord. That doesn't conform to this world, but is transformed by renewal of your mind. Amen. So that you'll be able to test and know what is God's pleasant, perfect, and good will. Yeah. Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's the call of a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. It's to sacrifice everything. Because he sacrificed everything for us. This is why there's a difference between going to a building and being a living testimony for Jesus. This is why this message is hard for some people because they haven't died. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no longer I will live, but Christ that lives in me. Now I'm just a mere vessel that he uses for his glory, for his honor. Do I have any living testimonies of Jesus Christ in this place? I joke, but I'm kind of serious when I say this. Dead people don't get offended. They're dead. 
Hello, somebody. <laughs> Next time you get offended, ask yourself, have I been crucified or not? Come on. Come on. How can you be offended when you're dead? Do we pick and choose when we want to be dead or alive? Okay, I'll move on. <laughs> Number three, it's going to require sacrifice. I got to ask a serious question. What will be your level of sacrifice for the will of God to be done? It costs Jesus' life. And Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must first renounce himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In other words, there's going to be a sacrifice asked of all of us if we're going to see God's will being done. David, one of my favorites in the Bible, he says, I don't give God anything that doesn't cost me. In other words, I don't want a welfare. I want a sacrifice. Some people just want welfare all the time. God's looking for people who will sacrifice. Why? Because it's a give and take. It's going to require some sacrifice to see the Dunkin' Donuts Center be filled. It's going to require some sacrifice to see a building. It's going to require some sacrifice to see multiple campuses. So the question is, what will be your level of sacrifice? This is why it's a collective word. It can't just be they are trying to get a building. No, it's we are trying to get a building. We are trying to get a building. If we're trying to get a building, there's got to be a level of sacrifice that comes with a building. Because here's the thing with God, right? God wants to see, do you have a little skin in the game? Right? Because no one appreciates what's not theirs. That's why it's easy for some people to come in and get out and not ever come back. Why? They're not committed. When you're committed, man, it's hard to take you away. Right? When you're committed, you're like, man, I don't know, man. I spend too much of my time, too much of my money, too much of my energy, too much of my focus to just give it up all the way like this. No, I'm going to fight for this thing because I have some skin in the game. I got some skin in the game. Anytime I see people quit easily, I'm like, you have no skin in the game. And, man, I feel bad for your family because every family requires sacrifice. There's no good parenting without sacrifice. There's no good marriage without sacrifice. There's no good businesses without sacrifice. There's nothing worth doing in this life without sacrifice. And at the bedrock of our faith is sacrifice, a cross. So what will be your level of sacrifice? Because this church is built on sacrifice. 28 years of sacrifice. You know this church was, was started with three families. Three families. On Pastor Steve's credit card. And he got a storefront and begin to remodel it on his credit card. Right? Because when you believe in something, you have skin in it. Yeah, come on. You will sacrifice for yeah, that's it. Good. When, we, when we first bought the building in Smithfield, listen, that was a clover field, 40 acres of nothing. Just clover field. And you know, we, we were having church in Industrial Park when God opened that door and the people sacrificed. Mm. About maybe 300 people was able to raise $400,000. Why? Because when you believe in something, you sacrifice. Yeah, come on. I can tell you stories upon stories. People gave up their vacation and says, no, I'm going to sacrifice that. People were supposed to buy a house, sacrificed it. Wow. But guess what? God will always pay you back 10,000 times what you sacrifice. Every time. When we moved here, November 2013, there was no church. It was just a vision. 
It was just my wife and I, pregnant with our fourth. And in, in, in November, we had already been commuting our kids since September. From Rhode Island to New Bedford, by faith, God, you're going to open the right door. We're going to start committing our kids to you. Why? Because we want to make sure, God, that you know we're serious about what wow. we're doing here. Yeah. And we said, God, open the door for a, us to buy a house without first starting a church. Why? Because we want to burn bridges with the past and say, this thing better work because we're not going backwards. Yeah. Without having a church, without having a building, without having anything, we're starting to sacrifice by faith that God was going to show up. November 2013, we moved, and the owner of the house said, listen, you guys can move in. I'm still having an issue with the title of the house, but move in for free. As soon as we settle it, we can, we can close on the house. He kept calling me every month. I'm sorry, we haven't fixed the title situation, but you can live there for free. I'm like, why are you apologizing? I'm living here for free. <laughs> God's favor is on my life. Yeah, <laughs> Believe it or not, she's right here. She can tell you. We, we moved in November. We didn't pay our first mortgage till May of 2014. May. Six months. Mortgage free. Why? Because we said, God, we're going yeah, by yeah, faith. Yeah, yeah. The moment you say, God, I'm going, God's like, I'm going with you. Yeah, I'm going to open the doors for you. I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. That January of 2014, we had our first service, not knowing what was going to happen. Got this place and began to pray and had some people praying with us and, 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 and put $20,000 into this thing by faith. A trailer and speakers and this and that, all of the stuff that you see and the kids stuff, $20,000 by faith, not knowing who was going to show up. That first Sunday morning we had, I'll never forget this number. For the rest of my life, this number will be engraved in my heart and soul. 78 people showed up and we we're like, God, we're on our way. Yeah. We're on our way. On our way. What will be a level of sacrifice to see the will of God being done? Because all he needs is two fish and, 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 and two loaves of bread, and he can multiply it and make a way where there seems to be no way. But there's going to require some sacrifice. Listen, people say, you know, you got to put your, your mouth where your money is. Sacrificial giving says you got to put your mouth where your faith is. Jesus said your heart is where your treasure is. Right? If you want to know what someone cares about, watch how they spend their money. I don't care what people say. Just watch their bank account. Your bank account says more about your heart than anything else. What you spend your money on is what you care about. I don't know about you. I want to spend my money on what's eternal. They outlast me. It's bigger than me. It's beyond me. It blesses me. It blesses you. It blesses our kids. That's what I want to live my life. So today, I want to end by telling you this, God is looking for pioneers. God is looking for pioneers. Not, not just individual pioneers. He's looking for a body of pioneers. That's good. That's good. A body of believers who are going to believe that he is capable of doing way more than we can ever ask or think or imagine. The question is, are you in? Are you in? Are you in? You know, remember last week, the ad was that Ernest Shackleton put an ad on the paper looking for people who would go with him to the South Pole. Remember that? Yeah. Crazy ad, right? But guess what? Today I have an ad. Yeah, come on. Here's my ad this morning to you. Okay, here's, here's what I believe the Lord has put it on my heart to say, okay, are you coming with me? Okay, listen, here's my ad. I want to roll with people who are not done believing God for more. That's the kind of people I want to roll with. 
I want to roll with people who want to roll up their sleeves and work for God's kingdom. I want to roll with people who are not satisfied with just going to a building on Sunday morning, but want to actually build a church. So today I'm saying, if you are a pioneer, then rise up and rage for God's will and God's purpose. If you are a pioneer, come on, take your place today. Take your rightful place. Let's slay some giants in this New England area. Let's believe God for more. Today is not about you. It's about us. It's about all of us saying to God, count me in, Lord. I'm all in. Listen, take my life. Take my heart. Take my energy. Take my passion. Take my devotion. Take my money. Take it everything you have because I believe in you. And therefore, we're going to see the move of God being done in the city. If that's you, make some noise in this place. Come on.